Hello and welcome to our all new interview on the Super Metal Brothers podcast. I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. And today we have two fine guests here from Headboard. Guys, how's it going today? Really good, boys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, good, thanks. All right, so Adam Fisher from Vocals and Dan Stone on bass. Dan, are you pretty excited about this interview? I am, actually. This is our first, uh, actually our first band we've interviewed. So coming from Adelaide as well, this is a very exciting time for all of us. Yeah, be gentle, guys. It's our first time, all right? That's right. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> At least use lube then, Jesus. <laughs> the, the problem with this is because you guys are in Adelaide, it's only like a five-minute car drive and we're pretty much where you are. So I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know right. why we just didn't interview this on a coffee shop. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's it. Exactly right. <laughs> All right, so basically, guys, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself first and foremost. What are, who are, or everything else about Headball that uh, catch us up to speed? Yeah, sure. So Headball is um, me, uh, Adam Fisher, my brother Luke Fisher on guitar. Nice. Gentleman sitting next to me, Dan Sloan on bass. We've also got Chris Ward on guitar and Adam Day on drums. Uh, four of us actually met besides Dan here, um, uh, really all at our footy club, and it started from there. And then we uh, just basically were just asking around for bass players and Dan was already in a band, uh, but he came around, watched his jam and joined us. That would have been, how many years ago now, you reckon? Four and a half. Four and a half years ago, yeah. So played our first live show about four and a bit years ago, put out our first album, Strength in Numbers, end of 2013, and we just released The Grey, our second album, a couple of months ago. And yeah, we're about to head out and do an East Coast tour to support that album. Yeah, well, I mean, before we have to go on, I have to acknowledge how lucky you guys are to be on the one place and be like, hey, we all like metal and we all play musical instruments. Like, that's some sort of like nut lottery draw, I reckon, eh? <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Um, my brother just said, hey, a few of us are jamming, like, you know, from us, you know, we're all playing the same team. Yeah. You want to come down and just do some vocals over? I was like, yeah, that's awesome. So we're already all good mates. So it was really easy for us to be able to write songs together and um we we're already great mates so we could you know put our opinions across quite strongly and not put anyone else's nose out of joint so it was a really good way to start being so close i think great um and dan who do you pretend you like in the afl i guess <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I pretend i go for the mighty west coast eagles hey oh, that's, that's another two, dan two days like oh my god all right, guys, so let's talk about the Grey album. Um, what was different for you guys going into this recording as opposed from your first release? To start with writing, off, it was harder because... Starting from scratch? Starting from scratch, yeah. Like, uh, Wardy, our guitarist, had spent a few years overseas uh, before our first album, Strength and Numbers, and he'd literally written 25, 30 songs oh, wow. oh, while I was over there. So we could just sit back and just pick and choose riffs, and we, it was quite easy to write songs. This time around, we basically still had a little bit of that source material, but... A lot of it was starting from scratch and putting it together, so the writing process took a lot longer on this one, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but as far as recording goes, we were a lot more comfortable in the studio, going to Against the Grain again with Andy. Um, you ought to respect yeah, the process. Exactly yeah, exactly right. Plus, we had um, uh, we had signed with True Think in between albums, uh, so they were able to hook us up with uh, Chris uh, Harris to master for us and mm -hmm. did a bloody good job. So, yeah, that helped as well. Yeah, yeah, something we'll get onto in a little bit. Hey, Danny. Yeah, definitely about the mastering. But I just guess being that you're able to put in with the songs and you know feel was a bit tricky having all, all the band members with different feels and different sounds that like writing this record. Or do you have pretty much some stronger guys who kind of led the way a bit? Uh, Wardy's our guitar. One of our guitarists is the main guy. He brings the bulk of the riffs to the table. But uh, 
as I said before, being so close and, you know, Dan has just slotted in so well with us as a group of friends uh, that we can voice our opinions and no one cares if their idea doesn't get used in a song, whatever helps serve the song best we're all happy with. So, you know, Wardy will normally have a little platform to start off the song and then we'll all chip away at it and all five of us, you know, everyone's welcome to have a, an opinion and we'll take whatever idea works best. So that's a really good process we've got. It's probably got about like a core five or so band that we all like as well so we can all agree on similar sounds of mm. the songs we like and the songs we want to play kind of uh, all yeah within the same realm of each other which helps as well absolutely that's great are you guys now fortunate now you've got your stuff out there for the fans to check it out are the fans kind of demanding certain songs They're like no I play that one or whatever or are they just like gravitating to the whole album as a whole how has the reception been it's been pretty good I think it's the album's been pretty most people have said it's a better album than our first album but I think the most compliments we get is probably for the song The Grey that we did at the first film clip for we tend to get a lot of people I think mainly probably because of the film clip yeah. that often is the start of the conversation about the new album is gee I love that film clip and that song's really awesome so their yeah, title track The Grey probably gets the most attention at the moment so you're looking at that film clip it was a bit weird uh, recording in Glenside I guess for people outside of LA Glenside was uh, I guess mentally um, challenged ward I guess would be called how would you guys describe Glenside and how was the feel recording there yeah it was uh, it was different I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's very diplomatic <laughs> the place hasn't really been occupied for more like 50 odd years or something it's been yeah. sort of shut down for and knowing some of the, the stories and the, the creepiness of the place and walking around outside and you're going to see People have just been walking around for so long, dragging their fingers along the walls. It's oh, kind of geez. embedded their their finger marks along the side of the building and stuff. So it's just a really eerie kind of feel about it. Wow. Yeah, I remember I was about to do a take um, and I was like leaning at a windowsill about to turn around towards the camera and someone who was an inmate in there at some point had sketched death to Cappy in the windowsill with some sort of device. I don't know what it was, but it was it was intense, man. Like It was oh, wow. really crazy. But the fact we had a full 40, you know, t- Saturday and a Sunday, full run of the place, got the keys, no supervision, we could do what we want, and we went pretty wild in there at times. And so it was just amazing we could had that sort of access. Did you see, like, any, like, doors open or, like, little swings going back and forth and just, like, weird sounds and stuff? Well, it's funny because when uh, when we would finish at the end of the day, the lady who ran the ghost tours there would take the keys off of us. And, um, you know, she told us some pretty tall stories about what, what went on <laughs> I imagine it's going to be like an episode of, like Skippy Doo. So there's like the janitor there who's like all screwed up from like stress and stuff. And he's like, leave this place. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> he like, take his mask off. Hey, it's you. <laughs> yes. I knew it was old man Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Would have gone away with two. It wasn't your pesky band. Actually, that, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense because now they're trying to turn to like a housing development. So they've scared off all of the clientele. Now they're tearing down to build houses. Oh. So I think you guys are onto something there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really hope it doesn't happen because it, it is an amazing place and I hope it does stay. Actually, it's funny you were saying that before with um, Andy Clyde, obviously, from Against the Grain Studio. So you worked along and signed him. Did you? Did he have any influence that come to like maybe the song process or the way you guys would play in certain sections? Or did he kind of just get the best out of you guys and then just kind of leaves it alone? Uh, I'll speak for myself vocally to start with. Um, as Andy's been a vocalist in bands, he is just amazing to work with. Like, I'll have everything written out, ready to go. But I'll get to certain points and I'm like, did that sound all right? And he's like, no, you can do better, man. And he really pushes me to the point where I actually blew my throat at one point. Oh, wow. wow. Um, but he gives me great ideas. I'm like, should I go deeper there, higher there? How long should I hold that? Yeah. And so he'll give me some great advice to the point where actually he asked me if he could have producer credits on the album. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was me. Yeah. <laughs> cool. yeah, I think from like from a playing point of view, especially with bass being sort of hard to get a good sound that's not too 
not overbearing or too muddy, stuff like that. He'll give pointers as to instead of playing tremolo picking this down pick or what else, you know, vice versa. Yep. But yeah, as far as getting the best out of it, there's a few tapes where you'll just be sitting there and play. It's like, oh, I nailed that. He's like, yep, cool. All right, go again. Oh, man. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, he's uh, definitely good fun to work with. Oh, ah. great. Yeah, yeah. So I guess um, all the band members felt the same. Like you guys weren't a bit pressured or you felt like you had to rush things at all, pace it out quite nicely. No, we um, looking at our uh, uh, the invoice Andy sent us. We spent enough time in there. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, thanks, uh, guys. No, basically, seriously, you spend fifty percent of the time in there laughing, cracking jokes with Andy. Like, yeah. So he just knows what he's doing, uh, knows how to get the best out of you, but he's a solid lad, and you just have a lot of fun with him. You know, Relaxed environment. Yeah. Helps. Perfect. And uh, from there, obviously, with your first record, you had Jens Bor- uh, Borgen from the Fascination Street Studios. Now, obviously, he's worked with Soilwork, Opeth, Symphony X, uh, Dark Tranquility. You know, the list goes on. And the second one, you were saying how uh, Jason from Truth Inc. and that, the guys got you onto Zeus at Planet Z Studios. Now, they've done Hatebreed, Soulfly, all that kind of stuff. So what do you think both of these producers offer for bands when it comes to mixing the final product and mastering it? Well, I found with with Zeus, it was it was good in a way because there's probably the bands he's sort of worked with are a lot closer to the sound we have. Yeah. Also, when we, we sent through our final mixes and everything, and then he sent back three different versions for us to say which one we preferred, so we could have an input there. Whereas with when we went with the ends, he just sort of you know left up to him to to get the best sound of it out of it. So it was just yeah. I guess I, I preferred the way Zeus did it as far as giving us the option of, you know, this one's got a bit more of this, this one's a bit less of that. So yep. just having that that sort of input at the very, very last process was good. Yeah, the back and forth was much better, we found, mm. well, with him, absolutely. He was good with you guys, giving a bit of feedback. He wasn't taking it personally and nothing like that. No, as, as Dan said, he said, here's three options. I can go three ways with this sound. Great. What yeah. do you want to do? So to have three different ways that your album can sound and be able to pick one and go back to him and all three, his, his versions of it. So, mm. yeah, it was awesome. And... Uh, yeah, uh, Greg was really great from Truth Inc. hooking us up with him and um, sort of being the middleman between us on that, which was really great. Actually, now going off from the uh, the, the album for a second, we'll talk about uh, you, you starting a tour and especially New Dead Festival coming up uh, next week. I'm, I'm thinking that's coming up the 10th of September. Yeah, yeah. Live. yeah. so um, yeah, you've done shows before, big shows before, like Brutality Festival in Melbourne. You've done the Black and the Globe in Alice Springs. So how are you feeling about this one next week? You guys pretty excited for it? King Parrot's massive band. You know, you've got some other massive ones as well. How do you guys feel? Yeah, really good. Before I get onto that, you know, you said to be easy on you at the start of the show. You've done your homework really well, so I'm going to give you an A-plus for that. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> Internet, <laughs> eh? <laughs> but no, I can't wait. The fact we got to play Heavy SA to launch our album only a few months ago, and now we get to play on the biggest New Dead 7, and it's the biggest lineup they've ever had. It's just yeah. ridiculous. And we feel really honored. Like, there's only four, five bands from SA, and we are one of them. So right. we are really honored to be able to play it, and just can't wait. We think it could be one of the best gigs we've done, uh, played at, I reckon. Whoa, wow, this That's is a... like, sound like a pay-per-view. It's yeah. like WWE <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it up, we're we're going to be there for support, boys. If you need someone to cry on the shoulder to be there, we're, we're very strong in the shoulder area, all right? Yeah, yeah. So don't worry about it. We can do the, crows, it. the crows aren't playing till that night, so you might see fish later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could be in tears if we drop out of that final later. <laughs> yeah. But I'll definitely catch up with a beer that day, boys, for sure. Yeah. Did you guys experience like different cultures when you went to like Melbourne, Alice Springs, like the heavy metal fans? So similar to Adelaide, a bit different? Uh, Alice Springs was... That was the most different one. (laughs) It was awesome, yeah. Yeah. Only outdoor show we played. But um, you find, I guess we're so embedded in the South Australian scene that anything slightly different a little bit different, I guess, a little bit weirder, I guess. But you you can sit back once you're there and you play the gig and you're hanging out with people from that state. You can see they've got the same kind of groups and vibe happening over there as well. 
Yeah. Yeah, you bump into someone wearing a shirt of a band you like, and you next thing you know, you've been talking to them for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> you see them again, it's basically the same. Yeah, yeah. Like both times we played Sydney, what's the pub called there? Oh, the Boldface Stag. The Boldface Stag, <laughs> man. That's one of the best pubs I've been to for people just hanging out, meeting strangers, and like there's a little smoking area in there. Like both times I've been there, just till close, just talking with strangers like they're your best mates until you get kicked out. <laughs> Last time, someone introduced me to someone. Oh, Bobo from Fat Pizza. Bobo from Fat Pizza. I was hanging out with him for 10 minutes no and way. I didn't even realize who it was. <laughs> no That's way. amazing. That's amazing. Actually, yeah. <laughs> but he was just the most chilled out bloke ever and everyone in that club is like that. Even wow. the bouncers, man, you'll pour a pint and the bouncer will come up, grab it off and walk off and you're like, Ooh. wow. <laughs> yeah, thanks, boss. Yeah, you'll yeah, come yeah. back to laughing five minutes later. Hey, there's your beer back, mate. So, oh. Oh, psych. Actually, yeah, it's funny you say that. I reckon I have got stronger ties with people wearing Nevermore shirts than my own family members. Hey, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> it, it reminds me of that old like Seinfeld joke when, like, when, when your kids really easy to make friends because you just go to a kid like, do you like cherry soda? I like cherry soda. We're best friends. <laughs> yeah, so same with metal. We got same metal shirt. You like Cannibal oh. Corpse? I like yeah, Cannibal wow. Corpse. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move in. All you need is that or someone drops a line from The Simpsons or Seinfeld. Oh, exactly. my right. God. Exactly. Yeah, 25 years on, and I'm still saying a Simpsons joke. So I don't know about you guys. But <laughs> That's it, man. Wait, that. You walk into a room, yell out, please make your break. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's coming up, Millhouse. <laughs> I think 25% of our podcasts are just Simpson jokes. What do you guys uh, have in store for fans when it comes to doing this uh, Australia wide tour that you guys announced through Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney, and etc.? Um, for one, uh, new songs. I mean, we've played yeah. a couple of songs from the new album, like for about six months to a year leading into it, but we'll definitely be playing, uh, the new dead, uh, two songs from the album that we've only started playing since the album and obviously interstate, yeah. we've got to really mix it up and mix our set up each set and drop in a, a different song off the new album into each set list. Um, and apart from that, man, we just love, love having some beers, yes. getting on stage. Like we, it's serious music, man, but we just have fun. And we want the crowd to have fun and interact with them and just have a bloody good time, man. That's really what we're about. Yeah, pretty much. I guess Australian bands might be starting to get a bit of that notoriety. Like if you look at King Power for sake, for example, they're pretty massive and making a good time. And a lot of the interviews are quite silly. So, so I guess that's something you guys can share in common with them. I guess you meet them next week, I guess, and have yeah, fun in, a, in a way. I mean, with our film, um, as far as on stage, I mean, shit, no one's going to rival them for energy or anything. Yeah, I mean, we can cool. try, and you know, I don't think I can ever drink enough to be drunk enough. And Matt, <laughs> you know, Matt from King Parrot doesn't even drink, and I can't get anywhere near him after twenty beers. So. <laughs> As far as having fun on stage, 100%, you know, we're definitely alike to them with that. But I guess with film clips, they go down a very crazy, funny, out there sort of style, whereas we've kept quite serious, you know what I mean? With our film clips, we've yeah. kept the storylines of the lyrics and yeah. we've gone down a quite serious path with our film clips. If you come and watch us live, man, we'll go really hard, but in between songs and even during songs, I'll dance around like a dickhead. Yeah. And bit of a shimmy. Bit of a shimmy and, you know, talk shit with the crowd and just have a good, really good time. Yeah, nice. Going back to your film clip, The Grey, when I saw the first half of it, it kind of looked like each one of your band members, were they like representing themselves? Because you had like that really lazy guy, and you had a real finicky guy, and you had a real crazy dude. Is that how those guys are in real life? Oh, God, I'd love to say yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it makes it seem more it, interesting. Some of, some of it a little bit because we, when we sat down and tried to nut out the idea for the clip, it was like, okay, well, everyone, sh all the other four guys should all have a slightly different mental condition. Yep. Um, and, and we came up with the four of them and who wants what? 
So I guess the guys who felt the most comfortable acting like that <laughs> yeah, gravitated right. towards that. Yeah. I know Dan sitting next to me, he was the one that was just uh, dribbling for five minutes in the clip. Nice. Doing nothing. He he felt quite comfortable at home doing that. I yeah. <laughs> you don't do that on stage, do you? That's it. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> guitar, guitar solos, yeah. On early, I'm generally okay. Cool, man. <laughs> About the um, the medical practices that you guys touched upon, was that kind of inspired by a certain, like, in the past circumstances, or was it the new way the medical was kind of going, or was it just something cool that you thought as you could get into a film clip? What, what made you guys choose that particularly? Lyric-wise, it's more of the way modern medicine's going and how I – this is just me personally. I, I feel everything gets overdiagnosed, as in you're not feeling quite right. Oh, you've got that condition. You need those five pills, that kind of thing. But as far as the film clip goes, it was more how bad it was back in the day. Okay. And kind of wanted to fit the feel of the building as well. So with the older building, with the older, not so welcome practices, I guess. Yeah, like prim- <laughs> primitive practices for like a dilapidated housing. That it makes perfect sense, yeah, right? Yeah. It's like, kind of like- I'm, ho- I'm hoping they don't do lobotomies and shock treatments still these days. But, <laughs> <no>. Non-commercial <laughs> practicing, yeah, I'd imagine. Sure, but yeah. It was good, that, I guess, for you to be able to get the scene to match the lyrics, to match the songs. Normally people don't really do that with film clips they just do standard like let's go in a warehouse and do just standard b-grade acting i guess so it's good to see you guys be more conceptual who kind of comes up with these ideas is it and even like the huntress etc do you guys get together how do you feel going into uh that? we all get together it's probably the two of us sitting here me and dan like um obviously they're my lyrics and i've obviously got a quite clear picture in my head of what i want but uh, dan's very good at I'll give him an initial idea and he goes, oh, what if we do that? What if we do that? We could do that as well. Like I remember our first real proper film clip, Temptress. I remember watching through the camera when um, uh, Tam, the uh, girl who was playing the Temptress, was like concocting stuff around the table and I just went, oh, shit, that's exactly how I pictured that in my head when I was writing it. So that was really, really cool. But, yeah, mostly me and Dan. Oh, it's lucky you guys are here then, I guess. So I want to talk to you guys on your on your uh, my uh, sorry on your Facebook page. Sorry, you guys talked about Lamb of God, Machine Head, and Chimera a lot. Now, did you guys find that these guys were some of the biggest influences for you, and you kind of chose them to be kind of like bands that you would aspire to, or did fans kind of pick them that you sound like them a little bit and you ran with it? You know, what do you guys think about uh, those kind of things with kind of comparing yourselves to other bands that have made commercial success? Out of those, uh, like for me personally, I grew up Metallica, Pantera, Sepultura, then I yeah Machine Head, Fear Factory, that sort of stuff. Um, so Machine Head, yes for me. I know Dan next to me, Machine Head was his number one thing that got him into metal, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I was a bit late for the party, but I got there. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest thing about Dan is because he's 10 years younger than us, I love when we're drinking after gigs and I say, Dan, tell people the first Metallica song you heard, St. Anger. Oh, <laughs> really? Why does he even say Enter Sandman? Wow. No, no. So I'm well. not going to lie about it. <laughs> <laughs> you can help it. You, you can help you it. get the real deal with Dan, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. But um, as far as... So Machine Head was definitely an influence on us. But um, as far as the other ones go, it was after a few gigs, after every gig, people would come up to me and go, oh, dude, vocally, you just sound like Lamb of God. Mm. Right. Cool. Yeah. So that and the Chimera is probably just our sound and people thinking or comparing it to those two bands. So they didn't have massive influences over us because we were a bit older when those bands came out. Yeah. But um, I guess we are a similar genre to them. So people put that together and, you know, for a bio, it's a good way to get people in. If you haven't heard us, is to say, hey, these boys sound like those three bands. Have a listen. Oh, actually, um, just a bit of an interesting question. Normally you hear things called uh, Kill, Screw, Marry. Instead, for Lamb of God, Machine Head, and Chimera, pretend they're all working together, they're all functional. Uh, which band would you like to open for? Which band would you like to open for you? And which band do you want to see break up? 
Oh, yeah. controversy. Gosh. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Oh, yeah. I've never really listened to Chimera, so they could break up. Oh. Well, they already have, so yeah. you've called it. You're like Nostradamus, oh. so don't worry about it. Uh, Machine Head is amazing, so I'd probably have to open for them and slot Lamb of God in opening for us, I guess. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm three from three with Dan there. Oh, <laughs> nice. The only options we're given, that's probably how I'd go. Didn't even get a fight out of us. <laughs> oh, we thought domestics, you know, a current affair for the next three weeks. But, yeah, uh, I reckon, eh? All right, we look for a new story somewhere else. Um, let's just talk a little bit more about uh, just the uh, future for you guys as well. Um, now, you've obviously taken your your cool little uh, bands across uh, Australia's shores, but what about overseas? Is this kind of something you guys have been thinking about or uh, do you want to develop more of a following here first? What's what's next? Yeah, well, fortunately, we had two opportunities this year to go overseas and we couldn't do either of them. Um, we were looking at the middle of the year, uh, not long after we were going to launch the album, but um, uh, Wardy, uh, his wife, had a baby right around the period we were looking to go overseas, so we couldn't do that. And then November... We were going to go play a festival in... Yeah, that was a very, very small window of opportunity. Where everything had to align. I think it was yeah, in Taiwan or something. in Taiwan. And uh, for me, it's yeah. a busy time at work. I just couldn't get enough time off to do it. Yeah. But we sat back and said, look, we've got this opportunity. Let's. We have to go and do this at least once. So hopefully towards the middle of next year, we can work something out overseas. Yeah. Um, yeah, fingers crossed, man, because... I've uh, seen, you know, obviously Truth Corroded and Voros and Hidden Intent, all those Adelaide bands that have gone over there. They can't talk it up enough, man. So it's something that I really want to do. Yeah, something about like lifestyle, just getting up somewhere and being 10 o'clock in the morning going, hey, it's 10 o'clock at night, we're in Australia, so let's get drunk. Like that just, the appeal with that would be too strong, I'd imagine. Yeah, you Church pretty much there. entered my brain right there. <laughs> <laughs> just dropped a little work here for you. If you guys too, would you like to be part of a big festival? Would you have been more intimate and just be with one or two bands doing a, a gig? Uh, personally, I'd love to do one really big festival and then a few smaller shows where it's packed houses, but up and close and personal because a lot of the footage I've seen from the bands I've just mentioned when they played like the shows like, like little smaller local shows it's just wall to wall and everyone's going mental yeah. uh, but uh, I think you kind of tend to thrive a bit more off a closer audience as well absolutely like, more people close up you sort of feed off that a lot more than being so having the disconnect of a big stage and barriers and stuff mm. so you sort of instead of showcasing your music you're kind of Racing it and enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, but you do want to do that one big festival because we just found out the one we were going to play that we couldn't was being headlined by Papa Roach, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like them or not, you know, that it's a big band you get to play with, you know. Yeah, that's right. Good for the CV. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Did you guys find, um, now you've been signed with Truth Incorporated now for a little while, Truth Inc. Uh, have you guys find under a label, does it open more doors for you? Or is it just like you get to now concentrate more on your music and less on PR and stuff? Like, What are some benefits for bands out there that are looking to get signed? I'll let Dan handle this because him and uh, Drummer Daisy have been the ones that have had direct contact with them. Sure. Yeah, yeah uh, it definitely does open up a lot more possibilities and you get, I guess, to get in touch with people that you wouldn't normally get to deal with. I mean, like with our artwork this time around, we used um, Dan Verkey's from yeah. out of Melbourne who's done some pretty cool stuff. I think he did Witch Grinders' uh, latest album. So yeah, like just getting being able to get in touch with him was, was the thing that um, Troy Think set up. And again, with, with Zeus and the mastering and it opens up a lot more possibilities. It gives you a lot more options. Uh, options, well, yeah. Like... So, I mean, if we were the first album, I mean, it's basically the same thing. We wrote the music, we recorded the album, we got it mixed, mastered, produced, all that sort of stuff. But this time around, we got to really pick every element from a multiple sort of different selections of, of what we could have done. So it was, yeah, a lot more a lot more say in the final product because we had more at hand to do Absolutely. so. Absolutely. And it's really, as you say, the connections, like, you know, even like um, with our T-shirt design as well yeah. uh, after the album, 
uh, getting in touch uh, with the right people. Um, with as we said with our first album, you know, you send it out to places, and I'm sure they have a pile of 20 new CDs on their desk from yeah. the previous month. Yeah. And with the with um, someone like True Think, you know, you're being shuffled up the pile towards the top, and you can come out of the label. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, people are going to listen to it more because you're being told by someone that's respected, hey, this is a good band, you should listen to it. I guess being South Australians, well, you, the face-to-face contact is always, I guess, a benefit for you guys? Absolutely. You know, even at times when we've had, you know, nothing major but little slight disagreements, I'll just go, well, Greg works five minutes from where I work. I'm just going to go down to lunchtime and have a face-to-face with him, you know? So that that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Mm. No, it's, good. it's good to see the connections even like build up here in Adelaide and Australia. So now what the best power for you guys? What the best? That's yeah. Good. So I guess uh, any closing thoughts? Uh, any way that you guys can uh, uh, see so your fans can get in contact with you? Is there anything you guys want to say about your next coming show about the 10th of September as well? Um, we have New Dead tickets for sale on Where Dead. Uh, if you go through the Facebook page, you'll find them. They're also on our uh, Big Cartel page. You can get it. There's a, a deal going with the CD. You get there, get a ticket and a CD. I think it's about forty bucks or something. So, nice. yeah, I've got all that there. All the links, all our all our online stores and all that sort of gear are through our Facebook page. That's probably the the hub of activity for us. Perfect. Uh, yeah. Apart, apart from that, come and see us at the merch desk, uh, especially at New Dead. We'll or have everything the there, or at the bar because that's probably <laughs> <laughs> that's where we will be. It'll be like uh, when you go to a football uh, stadium and you know how you have like grandstands. So we'll have the Superman or Brothers stand and that'll have like most of the beers and then or half the beers. And you guys can be on the other side of the bar and that'll be like the headboard stand. So like that'll be the half of the beers. So no matter what, there's beers. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That absolutely. sounds great. Awesome. <laughs> and with that little romantic interlude, I guess we'll leave it uh, there. I'm just going to let the fans know you can check out headboard at bandcap, headboard.bandcap.com or check them out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash headboard. Yeah, and see him live next Saturday, the 10th of September at the New Death Fest at Fowler's Live right okay. here in Adelaide. So thank you, Adam Fisher. Thank you, Dan Sloan, for a massive interview. Our best one yet with a band. Yeah, this is our best one with the band. <laughs> Do you... That's right. Thing. Default. Cha cha cha. We'll be sure to catch you guys at the uh, New Dead Fest. Until then, I am Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. We've been the Super Metal Brothers. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you next week.